I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. What Drives You is brought to you by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping life and leadership coaches. Visit Ziggler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. Yeah. Welcome to What Drives You. I'm Kevin Miller. You have all the drive you need as much as anyone else, but in each area of your life, you're driven by desire or fear. Let's get you aligned and driven by your authentic desires so you're driving further, faster, and most of all, enjoying the ride every day. This is a What Drives Your Health episode because the physical body of you is a vehicle for everything you drive towards. If it's compromised, so are all your efforts. Here, we're looking at IBS, SIBO, and how to poop more frequently and effectively. And I'd say that's not a sexy topic, but uh, being bloated and gassy and constipated is definitely not sexy, and we want to help. IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, it affects nearly everyone to some degree, even those who are living a very clean, healthy, and active lifestyle. Diarrhea, constipation, gas, bloating, abdominal aches and pains, and general discomfort down there should not be normal. And there is hope to address it. And I say this, I've had my own bouts, significant ones with these issues over the years. So I really feel your pain and want to help alleviate it. You know, it's interesting when you do a search in Google and type in how often should you and stop right there. The number one search is wash your hair, which is interesting. But number two is poop. You're not alone. It's a very real issue here. So in this episode, Dr. Randy James, medical doctor, functional medicine expert, my good pal, we candidly discuss this issue, IBS, SIBO, poop, and more. Hey, a quick note, hearing all these incredible messages on the What Drives You podcast, it's powerful. But to help you really have it take root in your life, I invite you to join us in the Drive Tribe online community and join the daily discussions where we go deeper together on all the show topics. But you know, there's a lot of communities out there and I want to be clear on this one. This one has been a long time coming. The time is now and we're really given a primary focus to, of course, what is driving you and also really what's driving you in your work. And conversely, what is driving others to you? in your work, in your business. We want to influence others with how we feel we can help them, right? We want to help you drive your influence so you're impacting other people for good. So let's help each other drive further, faster, and enjoy the ride. Go check it out at kevinmiller.co. You'll see a community link up there. You can check it out. kevinmiller.co. Click community. 
as you're walking in here to record this, I heard you say, I need a vacation from my vacation. What'd you guys just do? We were just in Florida for 10 days. And then we went to the beach and I love the beach, but the sun and the surf, it is not restful. It's just not restful. Not at uh, that intensity. Yeah, not my gosh, a, you're it. We had such a great time and we always went to bed a little bit too late. We got up a little bit too early. My, my ring did not give me good sleep grades, even at low altitude and stuff. And so I would call that vacation uh, adventure. I was going to say adventure, yeah. experience, experience, memories, whatever, but yeah, not uh, rejuvenating renewal yeah. from a personal soul spirit. <laughs> but, it, and, and that was in, and we, again, folks go listen to that show, but that's, you can go, that was another one is the vacation where it's just to renew and refresh and, and, and have joy and whatnot. And then we really put out an, another one, which was to really re like a recuperate. Yeah. 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 Like and Mark, uh, we, we are, we have it on the calendar, her time, my time. Yeah, it was really sweet. <laughs> so you come back with yours and your family probably has IBS. That's our, that's our topic <laughs> for the day. So as always, this is, I'm going to give you some, the Google search. I think that this is always what's, this what is not Dr. Google. Say? Yeah. I'm not going to source, you know, from this because it's not fact. It's just, this is what comes up when you type in. So uh, when you type in IBS, the first thing that comes up. Definition, irritable bowel syndrome is a disorder characterized by abdominal pain or discomfort and altered bowel habit, chronic or recurring diarrhea, constipation, or both, uh, either mixed or in alternation. It says IBS affects 25 and 45, 25 to 45 million people in the United States. About two in three IBS sufferers are email or female. About one in three are male. It affects people of all ages, even children. Worldwide, 10 to 15% of the population estimated have IBS. Um, the exact, this is, again, this is just what I'm reading. This is just what pops up first. The exact cause of IBS is not known. Symptoms may result from a disturbance in the way the gut, brain, and nervous system interact. This can cause changes in normal bowel movement and sensation. S- Listen to this. You're going to love this. <laughs> Stress. Does not cause IBS, Dr. James. However, because of the connection between the brain and the gut, stress can worsen or trigger symptoms. Uh, and, and the next, the, so that's just the first question that comes up. The next little question that comes up in Google is why is IBS increasing? And it says stress and how you deal with it. But then the next line is researchers don't believe stress actually causes IBS, but it can increase the frequency and severity of the symptoms. All right. So I'll stop there. uh, Yeah. I, I, one of my favorite topics, one of the most common complaints as, as you read the numbers there and um, where do we start? Even that statement right there is researchers think that stress does not cause it, but what if they give you a medication, there are some FDA approved medications for the treatment of IBS, but guess what they are? And anxiety. Yes. Uh. And it's just like Zoloft and, and those, those other medicines. So, they, but it makes sense. There is a gut-brain connection. So, then to make a, a blanket statement that stress, which is, of course, how your brain perceives the, the, the moment that you're in, has no relationship to it. It's kind of like saying um, getting wet or water does not make you, swimming does not make you wet. You're not wet when you're in water. I, it, just, it just doesn't make sense. Even the diagnosis itself, IBS. Hey, doc. My tummy's a little upset. I've got a little constipation, a little diarrhea. 
I'm just, my, my gut is really irritated. And to, to see some old, you know, <laughs> ivory tower doc with a white beard uh -huh. say, well, I think you have irritable bowel syndrome, ICD-10 code of K40, whatever. Let's give you this medicine. The patient is diagnosing themselves. They're saying my gut's irritated. And then to have a diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome related. And so it makes me so frustrated because it's everybody. Well, and on also, if you look, well, you, you're just talking like to the spectrum, everybody's yeah. on the spectrum. Yeah. And if you look at symptoms and a list of sim symptoms at, you know, WebMD or Healthline or, or wherever, it's again, frustrating because it's everything. They'll give you a symptom and, and they can relate everything to the possibility of IBS or it could be diabetes or, thyroid, or, or it could be <laughs> high blood pressure or yeah, whatever. So it's, it's so unhelpful. But with that said, what are the primary red flags? To yeah. Red you? flags because the, of, of the people that listen to us uh, now, uh, Parkinson's would have been a kind of a low, not too many people or maybe their parents or something like that, but this is going to hit a lot of people. And, and here's another frustrating thing. Younger people, they don't, they're not aware of what they're not aware of. They don't know what it feels like to feel normal because people who have grown up with constipation or something like that. And they, if especially women, like it said there, but women from 12 to maybe 30, they don't even realize how often they go to the bathroom. They just don't think about bowel movements, you know, <laughs> they okay, don't I, talk about poop. Okay, can, okay, can I give you the? So there, there's another thing. So the, check this out. If you type in, this is a comedy thing that some comedian does, like uh, James Cordon or Jimmy Fallon or whatever. I saw, I saw it. One of the kids pulled it up with a celebrity, and they'll type in a couple words and see what comes. Guess up. Guess what comes up? I did that. This no, no joke. I did that, and it was, um, it was how often should you? Okay. So, so I, when, wait, when you put in poop. No, no, no. Oh. I didn't. I didn't. All I typed in in Google was how often should you? That's all I did. Oh, oh gotcha. First thing that came up, wash your hair. <laughs> no lie. It's just a random. Second thing, poop. So, I mean, this is where truth is that better than fiction. It's a common question. It is, is the second most common question. After wash your hair, that's surprising. But how often should you poop? First answer response is from Healthline. And it says there's generally no accepted number of times a day a person should poop. As a broad rule, pooping anywhere from three times a day to three times a week is considered normal. That was the most popular answer. If you go down through, that was what was cited. I don't know what study, I don't know what, right. but that was the most cited even to the guy we like, Dr. Mercola. He still cited that that's the comment. He didn't give me a number. I was wanting to counter 1. this 3. with <laughs> exactly that because my thought, so, so let's just go. So here, here I am. I'm the, I'm not the doc. I'm just your natural guy. Now I'm a, I'm a healthier inclined person. And when I think of IBS, I tend to think of, and this has your influence already in it, but I generally would think of just food. It's just food. It just matters what I ate, just like heartburn, just that's it. And I cash it in that one thing. Now I've been around you enough to also think about stress. Now to go further to this issue of poop, my thought is, you know, being an athlete, whatever I'm used to, man, at least once a day, if you're not, if you go a day, I mean, I, I literally can't, I don't, I'm not aware of a day in my life where I haven't at least once. And usually within the first five minutes or 10 minutes of waking, I mean, I go and then usually later in the morning after some coffee as well, to me, that's my norm. But what they're saying is there is no norm. Jump from there. Yeah. Because 
I love to talk about poop. <laughs> it and from the perspective that we've all grown up, and especially if you're older, over 40 or 50, we didn't talk about poop back then. And in fact, I was trained it's in the 90s and, and had the GI people saying poop is poop. It's just the refuse of what's coming out. But now we've got the microbiome. We've got all of this fantastic information about the, the health or lack of health uh, within the colon in terms of the microbiome and all of that stuff, the rhythm, the connection to the brain, to the neuro, to the neurolo neurological system, to the immunological system, and the interrelationship of, of the bacterial critters to you. So, um, and, and, and I would agree when you say the word normal in Google and that kind of thing, and you go from three times a day to three times a week. Yeah, that's normal. What's the normal weight in America? Obese. No, I, yeah. That's normal. Well, right. What's the normal blood pressure? High. What's the normal state of your mind? Anxious. What's the depressed? normal pre-diabetic state? It's pre-diabetic. Pre-diabetic. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. So, the word normal is nearly meaningless in this situation. Okay. Well, what's optimal? 1.3 a day? It, well, two a day? They, but that, that's where I, I, and I didn't ask that. What's opt, that, that would be, I don't even know if anything would come up. Probably just from functional medicine, because what we're really saying from the norm, we're really just saying we should replace that and just say, what is the average? What is the fact of the average? That's what we mean. That that's, has that's nothing to do with optimal, what's optimal or, or near desirable death. or yeah, okay. yeah. What? So I have had both. You know, oh, I go three times a day, and my favorite story about constipation, what I would call constipation, was a young woman who's fourteen-ish, so in that adolescent phase, and. IBS was going to be the diagnosis or whatever. And I'm going down the questions and it's, you know, young women, I've, I've told you this before. They're the hardest ones for me to work with. They don't want, they don't like these questions. Yeah. And the mom is sitting right there and I'm like, okay, so how often do you go? Number two, just, and she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, but just give me a ballpark. You know, is it kind of like once a day or more like once a week? And she's like, yeah, you know, probably once a week. And her mom flipped out <laughs> it just if that kid was got puckered up and held on to her whatever and increased anxiety i'm looking at the mom saying yeah don't do that that's the wrong reaction yeah. but this young woman had no idea that's constant you did they don't talk about it at the dinner table you know and it, it just isn't talked about especially in that young teenage place where patterns and habits are getting yeah. set so kevin Ask your daughters. <laughs> well, we uh, again thankful to to you and my economy. We it does come up. My my kids, matter of fact, one of the the youngest ones. Their favorite story is: Do you remember that camping trip we went on? And and Brandy came back and showed us his poop because it was a perfect poop. I mean, that's still top of the list. And 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 camping. My gosh, all my kids camp. I just got Eliza, who produces these shows for us, just came back from ten days. Oh wow. Uh, of camping. So, I mean, you can't camp and keep things like that. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very, very secret. Okay. So to my economy though, man, when I hear that, and again, all I know is my, well, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say my norm, but I also am a student at least of health and wellness. And my thought is, man, every single day I am, I just looked on my app, my Strava app, my exercise thing, uh, it, that or the Garmin connect. I don't know, but it showed my average calories burned per day. However, it calculates that. I'm sure it's not exact, but it's close to 3000. And, uh, and so I'm taking in X amount of food. 
good food, bad food, whatever, but I'm taking in. And as you talk about, then my body, it's got to go somewhere. I mean, some of it's going to go to just burning energy. Some's going to go to muscle or fat and, and repair and whatever. And then you take the trash out. And my norm is the trash goes out at least once a day, if not more. And I, you know, but, and so, yeah, what is optimal? I wonder about the Olympics are going right on right now. My guess, and you may tell me I'm wrong, but my guess is by far and large, most of those athletes who are eating and living, sleeping, whatever for performance, it's at least a once a day activity, which is hard then not to say, well, then it seems like that would be more on the optimal direction than once a week or three times a week or whatever. I, so you, you, you said a couple of things there and just like being overweight is not calories in calories out. Poop is not, you know, stuff comes in, trash goes out. There's a lot that happens in between. And, you know, what are you eating and what's the fiber content and all of that? And your, and your output, I guess, too. I, I had a friend who did a, a ride across America. She's out of the blue. He decides, I mean, he's a cyclist. I'm going to ride across America. He's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't poop for a couple of days because I realized I wasn't taking in enough. There was nothing. My body's using everything that I had theoretically. Does that not make sense? No. Yeah. Really? He would be wrong. He wasn't eating enough fiber. He wasn't drinking enough. He was huh. too stressed out about it um, in all likelihood. Okay. But to answer your question, like what's optimal? And I, I would say one plus. A day. Yeah. Well, that, you, you told me, and I've repeated it, that wherever you got that, that technically to some degree, you, it would be good to whenever you eat, you then poop. There is a gastrocolic reflex. So when you eat or drink coffee or something like that, there is a colon response. And oftentimes that will trigger, oh, I got to go. And you and I have talked about when we're standing at desk, like me in the standing thing, it's like, oh my gosh, I did. if you're sitting, you're kind of stopping things up. If you're standing, the gravity and, and standing and all that kind of thing, there's going to be more of a tendency to have, perceive the urge to go. So hmm. uh, consistency of exercise. Like your, your esophagus and your colon, it's a muscle. If you're moving the rest of your muscles, all your other muscles tend to go. Hydration, status, and just, just think of flow. Like in and out, breathe in, breathe out, eat, uh, exercise, water, hydration, stress. Uh, you can kind of think of stress as holding, you know, you hold it in your yeah. neck. Many, many, many women, uh, well, mostly women with a stress response and they'll be constipated. They hold it in. But it's not like, like you can't imagine that. It's like, oh my gosh, doesn't it just fill up and fill up and fill up and fill up? Do you know what the longest time between going is with a patient that I've worked with? She went over I 20 don't days. I want to hear. Oh my gosh. Right? And she's not walking around with weird. My how, son how, how, as a baby, infant. So breastfeeding, you know, and breastfed poops are famously, you know, smellless and yellow and all that kind of yeah. seedy and all that. Um. 11 days. Really? Yeah. And we were, you know, stimulating and doing all those kind of things that you're you know, yeah, trying yeah, to do. Yeah. It. And he's not got any pain, eating the same amount all the time. Well, what in that, how did that happen? And so it's a complex thing, just like everybody, just like everything else in the body that Americans and people out there who are going along with, gosh, I go every other day. Oh, that's normal for me. Right. And I say, don't, don't say that. Just use it as a piece of information to say, huh? Why might it be slower? Another thing I want to put in here is you might go every day, but what if what is coming out is from two, three, four days ago? 
Right. Well, and the opposite, which I've had problems with, is this is something I you ate, ate two hours ago. And, yeah, and that's and also a problem. You, you t- and I didn't know. I thought, man, I'm processing really good. And you said, dude, that is not healthy. It, yeah, anyways. And this is, and I, and I do want to just point out that this is not just the, the poop show. It's not, ju- IBS is just, is not just about poop, but it is obviously, I was, I didn't know until I got into this, how common that is the correlation that people look at. Cause we're also going to talk about bloating and well, here's pain. What, and uh, yeah, that's, so when, when I'm asking the questions, we're going down the GI track and we're suspicious of IBS or something like that. I'm going to ask about, and the words just kind of rattle off gassy, bloaty, constipation, yeah. diarrhea, pain. And then under pain is, you know, how do you say it? You can't just say, you know, people get really, it's hard for people. They'll say, oh, I just feel yucky. Oh, I just feel indigestion. Oh, I just feel gassy. Is nauseous, would that be one? Nausea. Yeah. Refluxy, heartburny, right? Like these are, and so many people were such good copers. They just deal with it and they say, oh, it's just me. Or you've been to the doctor already. And they say, well, maybe it's IBS. Do you want to take a pill? No. Well, try to rest and relax and eat some good food and whatever. And, and again, you're, I did not know this. The pill you're saying is, a, is an anti-anxiety. That's the primary pill. If you are going to take a pill for IBS. I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. So, but working on SSRI it, and just giving your body more serotonin to reduce that brain gut stress. Because from an ignorant standpoint, I would have thought, oh my gosh, if there's a pro- IBS, I'm thinking gut. And I'm thinking, aren't, are you not that the med would be something to calm down, kind of like a heartburn thing, like to calm down the acids or to increase the acids or to. You would uh, think. Yeah, I, but yeah. it's 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 because as you read, one of the hallmarks of a kind of IBS is they're usually IBS C or IBS D or IBS mixed, so diarrhea, constipation, or mixed. Oh. And a lot of people who will be going every other day or three, and then I'll say, "Well, do you get intermittent diarrhea for no apparent reason? You're not sick?" And they'll be, "Oh yeah." Then I'll just get a day of water. Well, now they've got constipation and diarrhea hmm. and irritable bowel syndrome. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. 
I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are. And in some places it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier and air doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses. So your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code Kevin. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to AIR. D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O dot com. Use promo code Kevin. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they're hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. Well, now they've got constipation and diarrhea hmm. and irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, to what you said, just just to leave, I mean, not not to leave, but just to you know address the the poop issue on Mercola. Um, he did talk about. You know, the, the, again, the primary things is how you, this is the headlines of his article, how you eat is directly related to how you poop, how well you poop may be related to your position when you poop and then why it's easier at home to poop. So those are, those were three headline topics in his article about poop. And then the, you know, what do you do about it? And he said, primary uh, treatment. I don't know if it's under treatment. So is it regular exercise? eating a diet based on real whole foods with plenty of fiber, which you keep mm-hmm. repeating and exactly what you said too, the right amount of water for your height and weight and activity level. Mm-hmm. So that's what, that's what was talked about in regards to poop, at least, you know, th- at least that aspect of IBS, but is that it's, yeah, it's I, I think that's the main kind it? of thing that we're going to talk to people. And then a lot, a lot of people, and I put me in that category too. We were just traveling and yeah, it, it bumps the rhythm. Like on the day of travel, I wake up and I'm already like, ah, get to the airport, 
plan, 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 plan. My body didn't think about pooping. So a whole day goes by. And for me, I'll quickly get back on track. But it's very, very common that with travel, you slow down, you miss a day or something like that. And I would say that's the brain gut connection. Like the brain is very differently thinking about whatever. And so, interestingly, he talked about that, how many people, my wife's like that on a trip and stuff, get home. And I have kids like that, get home. It's, oh my gosh. Yeah, my kids won't go at school. Yes. I just won't. <laughs> Dude, I'll go. I mean, I grew up going to bike races and a porta potty, a tree, anything, yeah. man. I'm, yeah. I have never had anything good hold, me, hold, me, hold me back. Uh, but anyways, okay. So, so on that, but when you come back to like. Well, hang on. The other thing you said was position. Oh, right. And I do want to encourage people. Have you ever heard of the squatty potty? Yeah, yeah. We have one. Have you seen that? Did you see the YouTube Oh yeah, commercial. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That, yeah. Oh, well, we have a, we have a knockoff. It's a little stool. My right. wife you don't came need up to buy the name brand Squatty Potty. Yeah, you can do a stool, but it was what country is it? India, where it's just a hole. Uh-huh. I mean, even in a nice home, it's a hole in the ground. Yeah. Well, and I just think of it because of camping. Camping. Man, camping. Yeah. We got a little shovel. You go out there, dig your hole, and yep, squat yep. down, and it's great. Yep. <laughs> it's. it's it's a, it's, and, you have to. And the one I hate is the old people ones where the higher. toilet is 10 feet high. Yeah. And your feet and are hanging can't. off. It's cutting the circulation <laughs> off the back of your knee. And, and it makes it harder. And it's because, well, and I learned that. I didn't yes. know. Yeah. So, so yeah, to encourage people, don't get those high toilets. You get a little kid one. I, I we have, yeah. a, we have a small one in one of our bathrooms. It's my favorite one to use. But in my, in one of our bathrooms, my wife did get one of the little stools. So you can use a regular stool probably. Six inches ish, mm-hmm. maybe or so like that. Get your knees up, mm-hmm. and it literally opens the door. Yeah, it's just a positional thing, and over the course of time, that yeah, people pooped in a hole in the ground. That's just the way it, it's always been done, and until the modern toileting times. And then you throw in less exercise, less water, less fiber, more constipation, and and now just position is another piece of it. And then years goes by and habits begin to get formed and people think it's normal and yada, yada. And then you have IBS. I mean, in my home, the thing that we maybe errantly put too much, and I think I do this with everything, put too much focus on is food. I am grateful the kids generally know if we have a bunch of sugar or a bunch of gluten or, you know, some of the kids know dairy. They I'm going to debate you on this one. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, that, that's I, why gonna, that's why I preface it saying we probably I think I know where you're going, but finish your we saying. probably give too much credit to that. Of then later a feeling of oh, I'm bloated or I'm constipated or I'm diarrhea. So what if you don't have a feeling? Does that mean that food was okay? Yeah, you. Pro- we probably inherently think, oh, well, I did a good job with that one because I feel great. I feel. Or I don't feel bad. At least I feel fine after ice cream. Therefore, yeah, <laughs> bring it on. So, two stories there. Do you remember the time that you took my son on an overnighter prior yeah. to, <laughs> to yeah. a cross-country meet? I do. And I thought about it recently because we were in Salida. <laughs> yeah. And but the night before. And I'll- he had his best time after you fed him pizza and ice cream. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Thus, the best thing to do before a race is pizza and ice cream. So, still my son and I have a bone to pick with my dad because we went home and my dad was like, ooh, <laughs> our you're gluten-free. It's like, gosh, we forgot to get this gluten-free stuff or whatever else. So, do you feel bad when you eat gluten? My son is like, no. That's not why. That's right. not the, the... So, down that pathway is... Uh, or flip it around. Do you feel that much better when you eat broccoli? Do you stand no. up from broccoli and go, oh, I feel good. So, by the same token, yes, of course, 
what does your performance want to be? But I think we're so far removed from eat bad equals poor. Your body is so amazing. There's so much resiliency there that you've got years and years of bad eating before there's poor performance in general for most people. Well, and to your, to your son, maybe he ran well because the night before you fed him great and he's really feeding off of that for the race and his body was in survival mode dealing with the junk I let him eat. But we don't know. We don't, we don't know. And that's, that's part of the problem in America is that people will say, well, I eat that stuff. It doesn't bother me. I, okay. Well, you know, and my, my thought is what you say. Well, the guy who see, I've been smoking for 20 years, I haven't got cancer. I haven't got cancer one time. Okay. When, when the doc tells me I got cancer, I'll quit. Okay. That's and, that is, and that is what brings me to at least a bigger picture of I'm concerned about the long-term manifestation of stuff so that even though it may not cause me a problem now. Yeah. If we know that we know that we know, and the research is out yeah. there to know that eating, just like the, you know, we read Mercola eating whole foods, natural foods in their natural state as much as we can, not too much fiber, yada, yes. yada. And that's been, I want, can I say proven? Uh, no, uh. because when you, yeah, that's another rabbit hole. Okay. But We'll do a show on randomized controlled trials and what, should. what yeah. data means okay. in nutrition science. That's okay. that's a good topic. Let's turn a corner here towards the people in the car or wherever they're listening and they're saying, yeah, but I do. I've been really eating right and exercising, drinking my water, but I still have gassy, bloody constipation, diarrhea, pain uh -huh. for no apparent reason. That's the people that wind up in my office is like, I'm so sick and tired of this. I'm trying so hard to eat this and, and do all of that. And, and yet I still have a basketball in my belly. The gas just kills me. Or for out of the blue, there's diarrhea. Out of the blue, I have really stinky farts. Out of the blue, uh, my stomach feels too oh, full for too long. Oh, can you, can you keep that train of thought? Because you just, I forgot to mention that the stinky fart thing, which I didn't know about till, I mean, I was a kid. You fart, it stinks. It's funny. You laugh and it stinks and you go, oh, dude. But I mean, that's, that's, that is the norm in America. That is the mm -hmm. norm. And that is actually how it's supposed to be. And it's not till I'm however I'm 40 something. And you tell me, oh, stinky farts is actually bad. You should be able to have gas even. And gas is normal. Spell gas and it doesn't stink. When you digest. I had no idea. There is going to be gas production. Now, most of that gas is resorbed or used up by the bacteria or whatever. But when it comes out, yeah. it ought not be enough gas that there's pain, which we call bloating, yeah. and there ought not be a discernible foul smell. Well, I, now I know that. And in my journey, now I don't have a lot of gas. And when I do, hardly ever does it smell. And that's where I'd put me. Like I get surprised and I'm, I'm pretty talented at letting them go <laughs> kind of quiet. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so when the smell is there, especially if I'm in a patient room, it's, it's, it's an emergency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this happened, in fact, as we're driving to the airport and I'm in the car and, and we don't have the jokes in our car about, oh, dad, let one go because everybody's rolling windows down. They don't ever know. And this time it was there. I'm like, oh gosh, sorry. Yeah. You know, and the only thing different was here we go on a trip and maybe that was something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for people right. to take home, yes, there's going to be gas, but it shouldn't be too much like beans, right? The famous beans. And if I eat beans, there is more gas, but it's not smelly. And some foods will create more gas. Broccoli, the cru uh, cruciferous vegetables, 
There, there is yeah. the, the fiber. I, well, I, I also, again, just my personal testimony is getting more attuned to the foods that my body doesn't seem to deal with well. And as I don't have them, I really don't have that much gas. If I do not. You're, you're not aware. And that's the way it should be. Okay. Is the gas is there. It's getting absorbed. Oh, okay. Well, it's and, not. You know. Yeah, but it's not the, the pressure or discomfort or whatever. I do have, I will say that lately I've noticed a couple of times and I'm kind of on a stick of intermittent fasting. So I'm not eating until 12 or one and I'm doing more exercise than normal. So I'm doing some pretty significant efforts. And sometimes when I'm eating, even if it to me seems good, you know, it's sardines and broccoli or something like that or whatever. And late, it doesn't take long. And man, there's, you can hear it. It's like audible gurgling. And I'm thinking, is that right? Is that wrong? So, uh, so we, we call that, um, uh, there's, there's a medical word. I just, I just lost. It's a great medical word. Cause it's one of those things that nobody ever says, you know, um, <laughs> I'll give you credit anyway, the erectation or, or something like that, the, the normal stomach sounds. So tummies make sounds and that's when the doctor listens to you and and even though you can't hear it audibly it's always going on those gurgles and the movement and that's the peristalsis but would you say if it's loud enough no. that's a pathology no okay no oh good hopefully generally generally no we're, we're not going to say oh do you have loud gurgling in your stomach oh that's a clue no um so back to okay. the person who's doing everything right and yeah. what like google says no known cause no cure well I'm going to introduce this new SIBO term right. to say, you know, as a, so research is suggesting, this is new, that up to 80% of people with IBS may have SIBO or CFO or some variant of this small intestinal bacterial overgrowth mm -hmm. or small intestinal fungal overgrowth. And now there's subsets of SIBO, hydrogen gas or methane gas. Mm. And there's going to be even more subsets of this as, as, as research well, goes. Can I read prepping for this? I pulled that up too. And oh. it said just what you did, small intestinal bacterial growth occurs when there's an abnormal increase in the overall bacterial population in the small intestines, particularly types of bacteria not commonly found in that part of the digestive tract. This condition, condition is sometimes called the blind loop syndrome. Now, Pretty quick after that, it says there's no definitive test for IBS. So diagnosis is based on symptoms and history until we have a better understanding. There will be a debate for cause and treatment. Some studies show, say that 50 to 70% of people with IBS may have SIBO and that by treating SIBO, IBS symptoms resolve. Mm -hmm. That's all I pulled up on it. Okay. okay. So if we flesh that out. And so for me in 2019, 20 and, and this year, reading more about SIBO and the connection to so many of our patients are in this mysterious syndromic category right like they've already been to the doctor i have wow. this syndrome of this constellation of symptoms that we call syndrome and they tell me i have or they tell me nothing's wrong with me because nothing's measurable or uh, but i'm suspicious of lime or candida or uh mold or these syndromic and IBS is one of those. It's okay. a constellation, like we read, constellation of symptoms, gas, belly, constipation, diarrhea, intermittently over time. Sometimes I feel great. Sometimes I don't. What is going on in my gut? Well, most of us, and we go back to that spectrum idea. So you have bacteria, let's just say everywhere. Anytime we say, oh, there's no bacteria there, eventually we're proven wrong, right? Um, like 
in the gastric lining, which is a pH of one, very, very, very acidic and, and H. pylori exists there. Now we know there's subsets of H. pylori. So in the small intestine, there's not very much bacteria, certainly not, but it's not sterile. There's small amounts of bacteria there. there. I mean, you're teaching me there's good and bad bacteria. I mean, we. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. And like cholera is right. considered bad, but you've got cholera in your gut. You know, likely you've got strep on the back of your throat. Now, when strep overgrows because you're too tired or too sick or too this or too that, and now you have strep throat, now you can call it bad, but it's just, it's just different. Okay. Right. We, we, so I, I hesitate to call a thing good or bad. It just is. And it, now it might be overgrown. It might not be in the right place. It might be causing a symptom. And so if you have too much cholera, you're going to have diarrhea. Now, if you live in a place with no clean water and you keep drinking water with cholera, you're going to have diarrhea until you die. Mm -hmm. Now, that we would say is bad. Well, stop drinking dirty water. Try to be in a place clean and then you'll get the diarrhea. It'll go away and you'll be okay. But if we find cholera in you and you say, well, I feel fine, we're not going to go give you an antibiotic for cholera. Okay. So, so in that case, you can't call it bad. You can't call strep bad on the back of your throat. It just, it's there. So... There is small amounts of bacteria in the, probably everywhere. So in the, but there's trillions in the colon. And then you've got the, the cecal valve, the ileocecal valve. So at the transition from small intestine to large intestine colon, there is a valve there that is meant to, it's a valve, right? Like it's a different organ. Okay. It's part of the GI tract, but it's very different purpose and all of that. This small intestine is for, digestion and you're pulling, you're getting energy from your food and all of that. And then you put it in the poop chute, right? Like here's where the waste is going to go. And, and part of that waste, just like a compost pile out in the back of your house is the bacteria begin the composting process. And that's actually very good for you, right? Like there's this symbiotic relationship that we have the back with the bacteria. So when they get out of balance, then it becomes a dysbiotic relationship, right. a dysfunctional relationship and you get symptoms. So, where, do, where do those happen? I mean, you know, like literally, if it's, so it's with IBS, where do this? People are going to point around their belly button, right? Like really? you're, yeah. So that. I even feel sometimes like over to the left. What's over here? Left is, so you got, now you've got your, your descending colon on, on the left side and yeah. transverse over here and ascending on the, and then in the middle is the small intestines, okay. your guts. Okay. And, and when people say my my tummy hurts and they, they wave at everything. That's, that's kind of a hard one. If they say it hurts right here, then it is more likely appendicitis or cholecystitis or hepatitis. And what about if it's down further? Where would it be? Down further? Appendix? I don't know. No, I'm asking like in the digestion intestinal thing. It's just so if you go back past the belly even, where do you get to? Well, now it's going to come back up. Now, you know, you know, now the ascending colon is bringing it back up underneath your rib cage almost. Okay. That transverse colon and then right under the, over here by the spleen and then down and then out. Okay. So when people have IBS, there's not a general, oh, it hurts over here. Like appendicitis, right lower quadrant. So IBS is generally. So it's not localized. It's pretty much generalized. It's very okay. general. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And, and that's the nature of the way that the, the guts feel pain is people will say it's, it's here. I can't specify it because that's how it feels pain. 
And of course, the question is, so what do I do? And I'm, you know, I. I well, let's go back to SIBO. Say, okay, okay. In contrast to what they say, I think there is testing. Okay. Okay. And uh, then people might need somebody like me to help them down that pathway. But again, you can go online and find tests, but well, it's a breath you, test. I was going to ask. You can't, oh, it's a breath test. But can, so can you get that at? Like well, Everly well or what uh, I think about Everly, maybe life extension or lab test online.com. So if folks here at life extension uh, maybe. lab maybe it's a breath test. See well, so maybe type in SIBO SIBO breath test. And I, I know. And there's also an IBS smart test. Now that's a different test. It's looking for because many of the people create antibodies to a certain bacteria in the gut. Let me back up. This bacteria, so if you're if you have SIBO, which means your your bacteria are now overgrowing in a different place. Okay. It's not that the bacteria is bad, it's just in the wrong place. Now, how did it get in the wrong place? Probably the most common cause is at some point in time you had an infection. Okay. A food-borne infection, food poisoning. And most of us have. Uh, yeah, I, I sure have. Okay. Most of us have been in different countries, eaten weird foods or whatever mexican fish man i got montezuma's revenge oh my gosh and and so that's nearly every person on the planet so you're saying that can go in there and you think you get past it but you didn't that's still there's a residual thing and i know you tested me for giardia because i not all lot but (laughs) infrequently when i'm up if it's from a high mountain and it's a little stream and i think ah nothing's gotten in there yet uh, i'll drink uh so that's yeah and in fact, we uh, we and we had that conversation then about well, there is going to be Giardia in there, but is it causing you symptoms? And is it enough? Because you were having some symptoms, and we're saying, well, gosh, was that it? And if it had been elevated with symptoms, we would have given you an antibiotic. But that's you would have felt still better. interesting. You say because I'm thinking about whether it has Giardia in the water or not, and you're saying it probably does. It's just to what level, maybe? Yeah. And is my body at a place where it can do what it's supposed to do? And ward it off see that recognize as a, it and say oh let this one go yeah and and it's or it takes more, root. or it takes root so i was just getting ready to say if you have a healthy lawn the dandelion seed is less likely to take root okay if you have an unhealthy lawn it's more likely to take root so the lawn in this case is the bacteria that's already in there is it in the right place in the colon not in the small intestine and if it takes root in the small intestine, it's like weeds are infesting your small intestine here. That's exactly, that's a good analogy. Okay. And, and the symptoms are gas ability, constipation, diarrhea, these kind of things. And some people have more gas, some people have more whatever thing. I'm interested in this area because in that brain, gut, immuno, neuro interconnection, if there's dysregulation anywhere. So SIBO is now high up on the list of considerations for anybody with an autoimmune Hmm. and and that is something i have contemplated doing on my son but he has no symptoms so that there's this not that pressure and i think it might be hard for him to do the it's hard for the kids to do the breath test because it's a little bit technical and all of that um if we then find it, so what is this breath, breath test? So you basically fast overnight or maybe a 12, maybe a longer fast. And so you're empty and then you're going to drink a sugary drink. So you're going to drink sugar, the bacteria's favorite food. Okay. And you drink it and then you breathe into a baggie that, in, that you seal it up and send it in. 
every 30 minutes for three hours. And, you know, gassiness is one of those main symptoms, but everybody is gassy. Like I say, you're, you're going to expel some hydrogen, some methane, some of that, and it should be a low amount. If it's a high amount, we say you more likely have a lot of bacteria high up and it's coming up in your breath and it makes sense. Yeah. So if we then find that, then we say, okay, now we've got a target that we can use an antibiotic for a pharmaceutical or nutraceuticals going down if somebody doesn't want to take a pharmaceutical and, and actually the antibiotic is quite expensive. Or nutraceuticals going down if somebody doesn't want to take a pharmaceutical and, and actually the antibiotic is quite expensive. Well, and when you talk about, you know, you're talking about how do you, well, how do you treat it in essence? And it seems like there's, there's so many things. I mean, there is a, there can be a point. You talked about that back to the person who feels like they're doing so many things. I'm eating clean. I'm doing intermittent fasting. I'm exercising. I'm meditating. I'm whatever. And I still have that. My thought I go to, well, we can still be, have been done whatever XYZ happen and be broken. Yes. In fact, I would say everybody already has. We're well, on the spectrum of broken. Because I wonder about that. So I just pulled up here for the anybody watching the video. What is here's this? So this is uh, ortho. Well, ortho digestion. That's that's the name from a certain manufacturer. What would this? Is there a generic term for what? What would you call this? Digestive enzyme. A digestive enzyme. So I use these. Uh, I feel like they help. Especially with protein, I feel like I have a harder problem with protein film. Like, oh my gosh, I just ate a brick. And so I take these, I take a certain amount I've kind of gotten used to. And I do, and, you know, I, sometimes I wonder, is it just, is it placebo? Cause once in a while I'll be somewhere and I don't have it. And do I just feel like death without it? You know, no, but is it, is it helping me? It, I think so. I think so. And, and so should I have to use them for a certain time period or forever? At this point, I've been using them forever, years with the thought of, for some reason, I don't know. I just have a hard time with protein. feels like a, a brick in this seems like it helps. So I take them all the time. And it's not wrong. And we can't prove it's right. So, you know, in that, but if we ask the question, why, how did you get to that place in the first place? What's the most likeliest situation? And in fact, uh, down your own GI story and would it be worth the time, the money, effort for you to do a SIBO test? Maybe. <clears throat> well, I, my story, I was a little kid sitting on the potty in distress and constipation i don't even remember just pain mm. just like oh, my stomach is messed up and then you know and i ate the standard american fare it's probably a happy meal and a shake and you know what whatever is that common throughout the elementary years uh-huh uh-huh was there food poisoning later on do you remember montezuma's revenge or going somewhere else or? not a big memory doesn't mean it didn't happen um i just i had stomach stuff i mean i spent a lot of time yeah on the potty and so it was early early on uh-huh early on so so is it one of those tests that we'd say everybody needs to do it as a baseline and i would say no you know and i'm not aware that i have do you remember me Doing do one? No, you haven't. Oh, I haven't. Okay. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Is, would it be worth the time, the money, the effort for you to do it to kind of answer the question, is there evidence for why I'm needing or potentially needing to keep taking these things? Um, why won't your own digestive enzymes sort of kick in and take uh -huh. care of protein that you eat? And 
there i'd say well the uh the reason why it maybe it makes sense well i'm smiling so do you know what i'm gonna say might no. be your, your what what would you think i think your main deficiency is meditating yeah <laughs> jerk <laughs> <laughs> well okay in there i was going to ask you know as far as a treatment i'm interested in because you and i have done prolonged fasting uh-huh. which in my frame of reference that's like three days or more or something like that okay, okay. Yeah, more than more than a day yeah which you kind of quit pooping for the most part i mean you're not taking yeah, you're yeah. not taking anything in and so to me it's kind of like a reset and how great would it be? Now, I have not done this specifically to do a prolonged fast. Let's say three days. Uh, you know, if, again, we're supposed to say, check with your doctor. And if it's, you know, don't die from this. But for me, so I'll just own it for me. For me to do three days or more and then to come off of it and do an elimination diet. Would that be a fair opportunity to kind of reset? Now, elimination diet, of course, you're going to say that doesn't include meditating. Right. Stress. I was just going to say that if you do a three-day um, three day, uh, fast. And then your reset is okay. When you reintroduce food, uh, because you already eat pretty well. And now, yeah, you, what you're going to do is say, okay, I'm going to stay away from corn and the things that, you know, bother you. Yeah. And then I would say, okay, what if you conscientiously put in, and I would go with concrete things because you and I don't do well with fuzzy meditation, but down the pathway of the breath work, and we said, okay, Kevin Miller, for after you do this fast, every time you eat any, either when you eat or don't eat, right? Like if you're not going to do these things and you're choosing to fast intermittently or when you eat, there's enough time for you to do these several things. Number one is you sit down and you do the Vim Hof 30, sec, 30 deep breaths as fast as you can. Then you go into three minutes on the clock of, let's call it prayer. So rather than just you know, thank you God for the food and whatever else. It's no, no, three minutes of prayerful, mindful, meditative with your brain, your body awareness exercise that we talk about in meditation is you're kind of uh, thinking about food. You're giving permission for your body to eat. You are trying to salivate. Okay. You are anticipate you're choosing to anticipate. We talk about this all the time. This is part of the fun of food. You're choosing to smell the smell to think of the ground it came out of, to think of the hands prepared it, to be grateful for to, to God for just, you know, the enjoyment of taste and those kind of things for three minutes before every meal. And then another thing that you do that you're already doing is you set your fork down, right? Like you, you chew. I noticed it with you because you used to be the wolfer yeah. and you would just in, inhale your food. And now I think generally when we're out there eating, I think you eat slower than I do. You take a bite, you put your fork Try down. Try to set the bowl down. Yeah. 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 That but and then uh we already talked about don't do any fluids right with the meal well a good cabernet though that yeah eclipses I, but, everything. you know four I or five know. ounces only and that kind of thing yeah. yes and 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 we've taken i don't know hundreds of people down that pathway number one people just don't do it they just you know lose track and you know don't do those things and um and another another one to do would be to get up and go on a walk after it, yeah oh. so in your case uh i mean at work is kind of hard but you know but i'm thinking of you at the house and you walk the property just go outside no, no the thing the thing lately because we're in the summer is afterwards one of the kids will often say hey come on the trampoline, trampoline. With me. yeah oh man if you've overeaten or <laughs> eaten the wrong stuff that's bad or news. even 
ate normally, but your digestive enzymes are so sluggish that they're not giving, they're not moving things along. Yeah. Then you feel too full too fast. Yeah. And, and it's going to take you, Kevin Miller, three months of doing that on a consistent basis before you say, oh, now I don't feel like I need these pills. Okay. That's a pain in the butt. And in all of that, as we're thinking about SIBO and IBS. So, so again, we have created the, for almost any malady, we would say, you know, we talk all the time about the basics. But if somebody is over here saying, gosh, I feel like I've been doing that. I'm still struggling with abdominal discomfort and yuckiness and, and, or I'm in the autoimmune world or something like that. What about this diagnosis of IBS and what can I do about that? And I would say, okay, the, I, I do really think that the testing is, is critical. If somebody is going to have that diagnosis, that that's one of those areas that I would say, Google around, find one of those testing places that you can do online. Um, and, the, how then do people eat, right? Like there is an antibiotic. It's very expensive. There are nutraceuticals, but they're expensive and you got to do them every day, all the time for two, three months. And then what's the diet? Have you ever heard of FODMAPs? Yeah. I don't know what it is though. Just from you. Well, here's the really interesting thing. If you, have you ever heard of GAPS? Yeah. But again, okay. I don't know. Right. Like these are all moms of kids who are like, I am not going to take what the doctor says. I know my kid doesn't need that pill. I know something else is going on. It's got to be related to what we're eating or what we're doing, right? Like this is just common sense. So these moms knuckle down and they, they figure things out. So gaps, the gut associated psychiatric syndrome, is it gut or gluten? I think it's gut. Um, but what you eat, does it have an impact on your brain and how you think? And if your kid's on the spectrum, absolutely. FODMAP, fructo, oligo, dye, uh, mono, saccharide, um, the A is something and the P is something. <laughs> Consult Dr. Google here. Anyway, it's basically get the sugars down. Yeah, I can't even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I can't even the, pronounce it. Oh, fermentable. Oligo, dye, monosaccharides, and polyols. So basically, it's the sugars that are the breakdown products from carbohydrates and from the processed food and the alls, all the erythritol, xylitol, all the, all those alls of sweeteners. Yeah, um, so unnatural food. This is this is the antithesis of Michael Pollan's food rules. Where well, no, 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 fructo is very, very, and fermentable is also very natural. Oh, okay, okay. So, but. If we would go back 50 years, you and I, and start our life off with not the American whatever and come over here and enjoy fructose in the apple and the orange and whatever the way it was meant to be, which is yeah. not all the time, not as orange juice and seasonally, then we're not going to likely need to do the FODMAPS diet. Yeah. But most of us have made some mistakes and, and stress and yada, yada. And here we are. So then you give your body the signal of antibiotic or nutraceutical. And at the same time, we take them down a, whether it's an SCD diet, which is specific carbohydrate diet, GAPS, FODMAP. It's kind of the very, it's what I call modified, modified FODMAP. Okay. We're going to be very specific for the first 30 to 90 days to say, you got to get those foods out. Even the healthy stuff, right? Like I know, you know, steel cut oats is healthy, but there's, it's just going to feed the bacteria and they're in the wrong place. We got to kill them. We got to starve them out. So don't eat the things that they like. And you have to do that. And then, 
And then most people will say, if they're doing like the people who say, no, I don't want any nutraceuticals or pharmaceuticals, I'm going to change my diet and whatever else to live on FODMAT gaps, SED diet is very restrictive and it's very hard for a long period of time and people just don't do it. So then they kind of eke back into uh, a different kind of a diet and the symptoms kind of eke back in there and it gets very, very frustrating. So my thought for people is like, look, if we've got the diagnosis, let's do the test for SIBO. If we've got something to shoot at, consider the Zyfaxin, which is the antibiotic or a nutraceutical pathway. And at the same time, we starve those suckers out. And then you live in the future on a modified variable FODMAPI aware kind of a diet. If symptoms start to creep back up, you either tighten up the diet or put the, put the medicines back in. One more factor there is you cannot be constipated. So motility is critical. You have to move things along. So have you ever heard of the migrating motor complex, the MMC? So again, people just don't think about these things. Very cool, but the migrating motor complex, you could think of, think of it as peristalsis. You're gurgling and stuff like that. So the moving around, it's migrates, motor complex. So there's a center of movement in the guts. I, I can sometimes uh, hear, it feels like it's over here on my left side somewhere. It feels like it's over here and I can hear it going. Real, real. Uh, systematically, is it okay? Yeah, it, it feels like it's. I mean, I, I've read stuff, you know, how long does it take to digest XYZ that it's sitting there going and just doing what it's supposed to, I guess. But I'm listening to it, it's kind of disconcerting. It, it don't let that be disconcerting, that that is okay. Um, what triggers the migrating motor complex? Not food, so we eat. And the first part of digestion happens in the upper GI and in the upper small intestine. And then, and then here's where you'll say, ah, in America, what triggers that migrating motor complex? Not eating. Hmm. If you snack, if you eat at 12 and then get a little nuts at two and get a little nuts at four and then eat again at six, you're shutting down a signal for that migrating motor complex to move things along. Okay, can I jump to the conclusiveness of saying if you're constipated, best thing to do is quit eating? Uh, Arguably. Uh, I, I, by the time you're already in the constipated state, what would fasting then do? I'm going to say I don't know right now in terms of being careful for what people are doing out there. Like let's assume it's an every other day person, not okay. a once a week person. If it's every other day that and you're on that form of slow transit constipation, then I would say, yeah. Not eating is going to be a trigger to sweep things out. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting thought. Um, exercise, mm. right? Like this is what triggers this migrating motor complex to move along. Nighttime, sleep, right? Like, hey, 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 folks, let's clean things up, right? Like, have you ever been to, a, you know, 24-hour Walmart or whatever and everybody's in there sweeping and cleaning and stocking and it's like, holy cow, there's a lot going on in here. Yeah. Your body doesn't just shut down. It's the time that you need to clean and repair and do all that kind of stuff. But we live in America. Food never stops. Right. And so as this just rolls along and, and we've all had a foodborne illness some, sometime in the past, probably, or some version of that. We all have bacteria, dysbiotic, you know, out of balanceness a little here and a little there. We're all underslept and overstressed. And so then a 
it, then it's just fertile ground for the dandelions to take hold. Well, and you mentioned, and Marcola said it too, hydration. And we know statistically that we are a chronic, in America at least, chronically unhydrated culture. I mean, you go, I, I know just by going into the bathrooms, public bathrooms and, you know, guys, and it looks like somebody poured yellow motor oil <laughs> in there. Like, oh my God. Maybe he just took his multivitamin. Maybe he just took his multivitamin possibly that he's peeing out. But, you know, so I, we're, I, I, I'm to, to that point saying you're not going to hurt yourself by increasing your you, water. Depends. Hydration. Primarily. size. Okay. Broad, and, yeah, yeah, broad yeah. stroke. Why does coffee cause movement motility caffeine oh really just yeah the caffeine stimulate stimulates uh so, so, so it'd be the same if you had a coke I yeah mean, I should, okay i didn't know or, that. or or tea or you know other people are like tea doesn't seem to do a thing for you know green tea or black tea doesn't but so it's does. i didn't know that so if you're decaf you're not doing it less and there's a little bit of caffeine in decaf yeah um but less so so yeah the coffee thing is, is the caffeine in the morning okay. and that kind of thing and i think that's very common for me too there's usually first five or ten minutes you know you go which is actually i would argue physiologically normal optimal your body swept things out overnight you have a you drop a load in the morning and yeah. you go on about your day. I, I can play with it in the morning. You know, if it's like a Saturday and I'm trying to sleep in, if I try to you know, wake up and try to keep it under there, I can kind of keep things at bay and maybe sleep. But if I come to a certain level of consciousness, starts grumbling, man, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go pretty quick. Uh, I, I mean, okay. Just to, to wrap up though, if, if I'm going to go back to the broad stroke, broad stroke, yeah. IBS, if we just look at, let's even take away that. Let's just say to the masses out there and to in GI district, it's so common. Okay. People like what you think of as normal is not normal. I would say everybody who with GI distress. Thank you. So it's not a clinical labeled ICD right. code, blah, 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 blah. But man, you know, you're out there. You know how I ask it in the clinic? Uh-uh. How often do you think about your tummy? Okay. Okay. So, so aches. Pains, discomforts, bloating, gassy, gurgling, whatever. That, that's sour, that's, indigestion, okay. nausea. So if you look at that and say that's the masses, whether it's an, an IBS clinical or a, right. a SIBO or whatever, if you had to, which I know you don't like doing it because it's all individual, <laughs> that's the point, but we can't help if you know thousands of people are going to hear to say what primary culprits. Primary culprits. Oh, like the primary yeah. causes. Primary kind of causations, yeah. things that you would say, start here. Uh, yeah. I, I think constipation is up there. And then you can say, well, what causes constipation and, and all that? Well, that's so, what I'm asking, though. It's causations like culprits. I'm, I'm not culprit. Like, what are the prime? Well, food. So, I would okay. say brain, food, movement. Stress. So, how are you dealing with stress, stress, stress response? response. So right. How are you dealing with stress? That's right. So you're, let's say anxiety. That's the term. Okay. Yeah. If so, you're perceiving anxiousness. Yeah. So top of it, you said number one or, or top three uh, is anxiety. Look at your anxiety levels. Okay. Well, audit again, your anxiety levels. You would not say you have anxiety. Yeah. Well, I'm better at admitting now <laughs> okay i'm on the spectrum of anxiety all right so if yeah people are super honest anxiety management anxiety management can uh, i say that okay but what's the same as thing saying stress response management okay you just clinicalized it okay okay well okay well so, yes. so, so that, it's auditing, that area of the brain auditing your own stress response okay so there, there's that food 
Yeah, the content. What are you putting in? Yeah, fiber, or vegetables, and and what are you putting in if it's highly processed, if it's the American standard American diet? Those things are they slow down the GI tract. They 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 tend towards constipation. They create a fertile ground that can become IBS and SIBO. Well, to your functional medicine thing, what are you putting in your body? It doesn't like processed foods and sugars and maybe dairy. And for me, corn or, you know, whatever you may be sensitive to that hopefully you're figuring out. And what are you not putting in your body that it wants? Like it may want more water or it may need more fish oil or whatever. Okay. So So food. And then movement, meaning in this case, the movement you're not aware of. The migrating motor complex, the peristalsis. You're not talking exercise. Correct. That's right. But does exercise help the movement? Yes. If you are a generally sedentary person, are your guts more sedentary? Yes. So stand up. And there again, I've got to start. So it was after my first son was born, medical problems, and I quit being active to the degree I've always known for two years. There's a lot of days where I did not do anything active. And it took a while. And all of a sudden I realized the differences in my body and I'm getting, and I started getting allergies again. And I, that I had as a little kid and yeah, bowel movements changed, whatever. But since that time and for the past, you know, gosh, decades, however many decades, I mean, I just almost daily and you will be a weller person for it. Yeah. And, and you Consistent. have less likelihood to have constipation, less likelihood to have SIBO okay. based, based on that. So those, okay. those, those in general three things. And then once somebody's, once it's already there, if it's already broken. Oh, and uh, I guess another one to put in there would be intermittent fasting. Like I, I would, now kids are different, but if we're talking to adults out there, I'd say, don't snack. Just there's a time and a place for dessert. There's a time and a place for this, but well, I haven't looked in your cupboard lately, Kevin, but I mean, late. Oh, I, you yeah, know, you, you'd like it. I got, remember we did a show recently and we were talking about sources of, Iron, something like that. You said Brazil nuts? Yeah. Selenium. Selenium. Yeah. I got Brazil nuts in there, yeah. but I match them with dates. If you do that at lunch and dinner, you're fine. But if you're doing that at two o'clock, you're shutting your migrating motor complex down. There is no call yeah, for snack. I'm snacking. Well, I'm in right now. I'm intermittent. I mean, I'm not, I'm not eating in the morning. Um, and I'm kind of at, at a bad place. Not, I'm, I'm eating late at night a little more than I am. I've been staying up. So I get up in the morning, I think, man, I still got food in there. Yeah. So I don't eat and then I exercise and then 12, one o'clock I eat lunch. And then I don't eat till dinner. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm snacking. And it's also interesting to you. If you're spending 3,000 calories, you're not eating 3,000. There's no way you're eating 3,000 I know. How do I have any fat on me at all? It, because, Kevin Miller, it's not about calories in uh, calories Okay, another, we, we got to do that show. That. Okay, yeah. all right. All right. Friends, thanks for tuning in with us. If you want to connect with Dr. Randy James, go to truelifemedicine.com. A lot of you guys fly out here to visit with him the first time. The rest of it's done through telemedicine. Sometimes you can do it all through telemedicine, but if you come out here, I get to go have coffee with you because my studio is in his medical office. But thanks for checking this out. I hope this helps you as you look to address your gastrointestinal issues. Want to remind you again of our new community. You'll be hearing more and more about this. This is the initial uh, letting folks know, and then we'll be getting more and more proactive with that. But if you go to kevinmeller.co, you can click on the community link and see about the Drive Tribe. Again, every show is posted in there and we can have discussions and talk and go further into those issues. We do have a really focused 
priority also on, you know, of course, what is driving you and what is driving you in your work? And conversely, what is driving others to you in your work, in your business? I'm here in the business of influencing you and other people. A lot of you guys want to do the same. You want to influence others, whether it's your family or your audience, your business, your employees, your coworkers, uh, family, whatever it is, you want to have influence with people. We want to help you drive others to you by looking at how is your, how is you, your story, your brand, how is it compelling? So kevinmiller.co, check out the community link and read about the drive tribe. Uh, thanks for tuning in. If you got value from this, let us know. We'd love a rating in Spotify, a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. If you want to watch these episodes, as so many more people are doing, you can go to YouTube uh, or social media as well. YouTube has the whole show. Uh, social media has the clips and the reels and all that jazz. Find me at kevinmiller.co on any social media. And if you want to learn how to master your own drive, check out my book, What Drives You on Amazon. Uh, until next time, hey, here's the driving along with you. Yeah.